You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join Coach C, the USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Uh, welcome to our 12th show. Uh, these shows are basically geared toward uh, finding people who are highly accomplished uh, with an even uh, higher testimony of faith uh, that helped them to become uh, highly accomplished individuals. And today, uh, we've got Emmanuel McDaniel and Junior Smith on the show. Uh, these two gentlemen uh, were integral parts of the success of the program at East Carolina uh, through the early 90s, and I had the privilege and honor to coach them. And so uh, I just want to first say that uh, I personally want to thank you guys for your contribution to the program, how hard you worked, uh, how much you gave back to the program in relationship to leadership, and then, the, you know, the great accomplishments that you had beyond the program as well. So uh, uh, I have a ton of respect for you two guys, and I really appreciate you being on the show today. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Thank Coach. You. Appreciate you. Um, Thank you. As I said, you guys were both relentless workers and competitors. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about you today because that's what this is about. It's about your story. Uh, but before you got to East Carolina, um, the question that I have is, uh, I'd like for you to maybe uh, tell me about the influences in your life uh, that got you through high school and got you to the doorstep at East Carolina to play football at that level. And then the other thing is, was there anything significant you had to overcome to get to ECU? Uh, where you had to basically uh, look toward your faith. So I'll just let uh, – go ahead first, Junior. All right. Well, hello, everybody. I'm Junior Smith, and I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, I guess the first qu question was uh, what did I have to um, – no, what, what did I have – what was the influence on me? And I would say that, you know, I was in a battle um, coming through high school between, you know – trying to fit into my environment, my culture, and also trying to um, be successful. And if it wasn't for the coaches that I had, like um, coaches and teachers that kept saying, hey, we see something in you. You know, you got a bright future. You don't want to make these wrong choices because a lot of my friends, they were telling them the same thing, but they made the wrong choices and they ended up in prison or just went down a road that they regret, whether it was drugs, um, just things that they weren't happy about. So I want to say, you know, the coaches that I had, they really pushed me. They saw something in me. Um, the biggest thing I had to overcome was my size. You know, uh, I played football all my life, but I just wasn't growing any taller. So that was one of the things that I had to overcome 
Um, cause I was the leading rusher in the state. I was the all state player, those types of things. But when it came down to recruiting, a lot of the bigger schools uh, ignored me and it came down to Appalachia state, East Carolina, Minnesota, and some other schools. And, uh, through my faith, you know, God kind of led me to choose East Carolina. And that was one of the best choices I made in my life. Cause it allowed me to one, be the all time leader rusher at ECU one two, to be in the Hall of Fame, three, to get into coaching, and also to the things that I learned to be able to give that back to the players that I coached and to be able to have the honor to say, hey, I coached another player that made the Hall of Fame in East Carolina. Um, that was a great thing. So that was kind of a little bit of my, my background. Hopefully I answered your questions. Absolutely. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I know that you thought you're uh, – well, I, I can see where I guess your height would have been an issue with – uh, some of the bigger universities, but uh, all I can tell you is I never saw anybody run that zone play better than you. And uh, wh whether they couldn't find you or what, I know when you hit a crease and you started spinning, man, I mean, there was no nowhere to stop Junior Smith. And I remember that uh, Memphis game in 1991. I think we ran a 35 zone like seven times in a row or something like that. And they still couldn't stop you. So, uh, I don't think that uh, kept you from uh, becoming greatly successful. And we'll talk about your strength here in a little bit too. But uh, uh, Emac, let's hear a little bit about uh, your background there. Well, for me, I mean, it's kind of similar. I mean, I had good coaches who kept me out of trouble. I had family members going down the wrong road, going to jail, or, you know, getting killed. My mom and dad was big in my life too. I mean, they pushed me and drove right. me. And man, Junior kind of got the same same story. You know, I was undersized coming out of high school. You know, I yeah. got sick one year and went out to like what 142 pounds. Yeah, we all remember so, that. I mean, I never had had real size, so I had to make up for it with speed and you no know, work it. Right. Well, the thing about it was, was I, I like to pride myself in the fact that uh, we were overachievers and uh, we didn't back down from anybody through that time period. And that's what East Carolina is pretty much known for. You know, and I'm glad to see him getting back on top again with, with regard to the way they're playing physical now, uh, particularly on defense. And of course, they've got some very good running backs as well. So, uh, you know, good to see that. Of course, they got a big game. Uh, you know, this is pre-recorded, so we're on a Friday here. So the big game's tonight for them. Uh, so, uh, you know, when coaches come in the program, uh, you know, in my experience in East Carolina all the way through my, my uh, coaching experience, I've been at a penthouse, outhouse, and everywhere in between. Uh, but, uh, you know, when a new, new coach comes in, like uh, uh, Coach Houston, when Scotty Moe couldn't get it done, uh, basically uh, talked about changing the culture, and the coaches talk about this all the time. So I just want to go back to, uh, you know, 1991, uh, what – do you guys think was uh, important about the culture then of our team that led us to 11 wins in a, in a Peach Bowl victory in the number nine uh, ranking in the country? Uh, whoever wants to go first. I think it was it was just a brotherhood. Right. I mean, we all hung out together. You know, we did pretty much did everything together. We pushed each other in practice. Man, it was just a mindset. We, you know, we were tired of being what East Carolina was before we got there. 
Yeah. No tired of being looked upon like the little brothers, so to speak. Now, in 91, uh, Emac, did you get much playing time that year? No, I registered. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember. <coughs> uh, I do remember Junior, of course, uh, got quite a bit of playing time as a freshman. Um, but Junior, you know, give me your thoughts on that. I just think that uh, that we had a chip on our shoulder. I think we had a great coaches and good leadership. And like Emac said, I don't think we wanted to be known as the, the little brother anymore. You know, just the lack of respect in the state, uh, with, you know, with the ACC right here and, you know, some other schools. Um, but I think the biggest thing was, you know, we kind of like wrote a movie script and that the theme of the script was uh, Believe. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think that when it came down to crunch time, we had put the work in and uh, we just got uh, a little bit more confident every game and, we had good leadership in Robert and Jeff and uh, Luke and Dion, a lot of the other other seniors and Mark Washington, some other guys that, um, you know, the work ethic was there. And then, uh, you know, like I said, Coach C, you let us with, I think the big thing with conditioning, you know, yeah. we said, hey, no one's going to out-condition us. I don't know if kids can train like we train <laughs> yeah. back in the day to uh, get in shape, but we were willing to do anything to, to make it happen. And, and, you know, we were held accountable. Yeah, I don't think anybody ran like we ran, and that was big for me. And, uh, you know, even bigger was uh, the fact that the mentality of we work harder than anybody else. We're going to play harder than anybody else. We're going to be more physical. You come into Ficklin, you're going to get hit in the mouth. You know, we're going to play a very high level of football in relationship to physicality, and uh, and we're going to play for four quarters that way. So, uh, you know, I was very proud of the way that uh, – that the team played during those years in relationship to those factors. And uh, again, you know, I can't tell you how much uh, I appreciated working with you guys. And you know, now we're going to mention here after the 91 season, because we, you know, we spent a lot of time together uh, for a period of time. What, what, uh, what parts of the culture do you think was sustained after, uh, you know, Bill Lewis and the majority of the staff left Anyone. <laughs> I think after Coach Lewis left, Coach Logan kind of picked up where he left off. I mean, we, you know, we kept some coaches. You know, East Carolina was basically like stepping stone, you know, for coaches coming there, get their big jump. But, I mean, as from the conditioning st standpoint, none of that ever changed. I don't think kids can run like we ran back then. <laughs> I don't. Well, well, I agree. <laughs> I, mean, I just remember you telling us we'll never lose a game in the fourth quarter. I remember we got outscored in the fourth quarter one time, and that Sunday you killed us. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the the culture in general with kids these days, it's all changed. Yeah. I mean, I look at us, we were like a different breed back then, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can go back and you can hear stories about people in other programs. Hey, they got off the plane, they lost the game somewhere, and they, they you know, they conditioned as soon as they got off the plane, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, things like that just don't happen anymore. And, you know, I was old school, of course. Uh, I can go into, you know, what I experienced as an athlete through uh, high school and college, and uh, none of it was easy, that's for sure. You know, we had three days for two weeks when I was in college. 
And uh, the third practice was nothing but running. You know, we ran, I don't know how many 40s every night. You know, it was crazy. But uh, so, yeah, I think things have changed in relationship to that to some extent. But some of that has changed for the better because, you know, we, we experienced uh, 20 deaths or so uh, throughout the uh, a couple decades there. And a lot of those deaths had occurred in conditioning. Uh, but again, you know, we didn't, we didn't get out there and run 10, 300s hundreds, uh, like the first day. I mean, it took us all summer to get to that point. Yeah. And, uh, and, and basically you guys kicked it up to 10. So I was still okay with six or eight, but, uh, mm-hmm. on that Tuesday, you know, that was a big day. Uh, so, uh, who do you think, uh, looking at your teammates through that time period, uh, who do you guys remember as, you know, other guys that you played with that were uh, important in relationship to leadership and being a great example to the rest of the team? You know, who stands out in your mind, you know, there and, and maybe people you've kept in touch with? I don't know, but uh, uh, who would you mention there? I think from um, I think we can answer that from two sides of the ball. I know that uh, Emac and I came in together, and so when we came in. You know, <clears throat> I think the leaders at that time, you know, was obviously Robert Jones, who was the a first round draft pick. He was a good leader. Jeff Blake, obviously, and another NFL player. Um, you had Tom Scott, the late Tom Scott. You know, um, uh, Michael Rett, um, yeah, Daniels. I mean, I think they just had a good senior class, Chris Hall. Um, you know, I could probably – I don't want to leave anybody out, but I think between that and a combination of a young, a good recruiting class, I think a lot of guys are hungry and uh, just want to go out and, and, and display and prove, prove. And I think when those guys left, um, you know, Crumpler and some of the other guys were good leaders, you know, that next season. And then it came down to um, our 91 class trying to um, – trying to uh, fill in the gaps and, and got us back to the Liberty Bowl. So we had those two years where we were a little down with injuries, but we took what we learned from Jeff, Robert, those guys, which was my senior year. We were able to pass it on to Darren Hart, David Hart, Marcus Crandall, those guys, Emac. He was yeah. able to take it on the next year and take the team back to back-to-back Liberty Bowls. And and then from there, we just it kept, just kept going to see, just kept moving along. So, Junior, your, first, your senior year was at the first Liberty Bowl? Yeah, that was the first Liberty Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that was a tough game. Uh, but you know, <laughs> Illinois was pretty freaking good, man. I mean, they had some they had some great they players some on that round team. They, they really should have been in a bigger bowl, but they had some quite a few guys that got drafted. Uh I had to I had to agree with Junior. We I mean, I think we just had some good leaders when we came in and we kind of just they taught us how to lead. Yeah. And we Pass it on down from from there. Gotcha. Uh, so, you know, if you had to go back and relive your experience as an athlete uh, at East Carolina, uh, is there anything that you'd want to change in relationship to your experience? You want to go ahead? Now, personally, I would. Personally, I wouldn't want to change anything. I mean, I enjoyed the people I played with. I enjoyed the coaches I had. I enjoyed my time at East Carolina. Mm-hmm. When people tell you the best time of your life is in college, that's the best time of your life. Well, I think that's a great testimony. I, th- I think that's a great answer. Uh, Junior, what about you? 
Uh, for me, I think uh, I wouldn't change anything. Uh, I'm very thankful for God's grace to be able to have a, a great college career and not be injured and just to be able to participate in every game, um, you know, every year of my career in college. And, and then the teammates that I met and then, you know, academics. You know, I wish I was a uh, – I finished strong in academics, but I didn't have a good core, a good foundation before I got to ECU. I wish I would yeah. worked a little harder coming out of high school to have a good foundation. Um, I probably would have taken advantage of like my summer school courses instead of just using that to work out. Um, I wish I went ahead and try to graduate early and get another degree and be more business minded at that time. Um, just because you need to be able to, uh, you know, be successful on and off the field. So that would have been the one thing I would have changed, not wait 10 to 15 years to learn about business and stuff like that, which I'm doing now. Is there any one game that you can think back of that you enjoyed more than anything else? I mean, obviously the Peach Bowl. Uh, but uh, what games do you remember more than any other games that you really enjoyed? For me, it was my freshman season because I was we were traveling. So we were going to like Syracuse, yeah. playing in the Dome, going, went to Illinois, um, went to Pittsburgh, just different places. <clears throat> So they haven't really been outside of North Carolina. You know, I've been outside of North Carolina, but not to the – you know, you always saw the stadiums and the fans on TV. So then that be a, be a part of a college program, be able to get on an airplane, be in the same travel suits with your teammates and just kind of experience that whole thing. Um, and then just – I remember really the, that freshman year, there's some of those games, it was just electric, you know. Right. Um, and then the Peach Bowl, obviously, winning that game and beating our in-state rivalry and everyone running on the field. Um, I had some great memories. Um, and then, you know, you have your senior year when you break the record and you, you get back to the Liberty Bowl and EJ Gunthorpe running around with the flag. And, you know, we had just won like, kind of the, the conference coalition there. So it was, all those things were pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way about that because I was just a young coach. And I was coming in from Bucknell and I was, I, uh, I was getting my uh, principal certificate. I was thinking about going to be a superintendent of schools someday at the high school level. And then all of a sudden I had the ECU uh, offer. And uh, so, you know, those things were very special to me as well, particularly when we landed at the airport and all those people were there that we had to fight through uh, that were celebrating. And uh, that was a really special deal. Uh, yeah. How about you, Mac? I had to agree with the Syracuse game. I mean, that yeah. was, when we got back to that that airport, that that that's one of the biggest memories I have. Having right. to escort back to the to the dorms, I mean that was ridiculous. I I hadn't seen I didn't even see that in the NFL. Right. And I still I still think Fick, Dottie Ficklin was louder than any NFL stadium I ever played in. It was loud, and we had uh, what thirty five thousand then. So. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely live, man, week in and week out that year and, and plenty of other times for sure. Uh, the person that I wanted to mention, the player I wanted to mention, that you guys, I'd like for you to say a few words about is Morris Foreman. You know, Morris Foreman was very uh, special to me. And, uh, you know, I had an opportunity. To, I was asked to speak at, at the funeral and, and so forth. Uh, but uh, that hit me really hard. And uh, so, uh, uh, you know, Tell me a little bit about what you remember about Morris Foreman. I just remember him putting in the work, being a great leader. Yeah. I mean, he came in, I think, I think me and Mo Med came in. I came in with junior, but when mm -hmm. I actually hit the field that he got there my sophomore year, our sophomore yeah. year, our yeah. redshirt sophomore, junior, true sophomore year. 
Right. I mean, when he came in, he just fit in, just like everybody else. Like he had a work ethic, just like everybody else. He pushed everybody. Yeah. Yeah, he was a good leader. I'll say that. We were, um, I guess all of us were the same age um, as far as the class of high school. And then I guess he went off another route and then came to ECU. But I just remember him being a highly recruited player and just being a skilled player where uh, they wanted to use him as punt returner and just showed good leadership to come in and play as a true freshman. And, um, you know, we kind of put him on offense, played on defense. I think he was one of probably the one of the higher ranked uh, recruits to uh, sound ECU in a long time, just to be a local kid and, and those types of things. Uh, he was just a great leader, you know, um, right. that whole crew that he was with, with him, him MC, the twins, uh, they all came in together, Sean, they all came in together and they formed a good nucleus and, and they were, they, uh, they did a nice job, but, uh, definitely was a good player, good person, uh, very quiet, good leader. What do you guys remember about your, uh, position coaches? Uh, you know, anything there that you want to mention? Well, I, I think the best I have great. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Go ahead. I think I had the best position coach ever, you know, <laughs> coach yeah. Barry. Because uh, not only did he look out for me while I was playing, you know, was a good coach, good leader, good role model. But then he gave me a lot of opportunities, you know, after I finished playing. When, you know, when I finished playing pro ball and I was cleaning windows and cleaning the stadium, you know, trying to get back in school, finish my degree in grad school. You know, he gave me an opportunity to get in coaching. So, um, you know, I got great respect for him. He allowed me to go coach at <clears throat> Illinois State. You know, he took me to Army with him. And he talked to Coach uh, in Louisiana Monroe of giving me an opportunity as well. So I'm very right. grateful for my position, Coach. I I had some great coaches. I had a different defensive back coach every year, but yeah, I mean, I yeah. learned a little. I learned a little bit of everything from all of yeah. them: Coach Cassidy, Coach Pagano, Coach Fleming. I mean, like Junior, Coach Fleming gave me an opportunity to get into coaching. Right. I moved to Akron, volunteered for a year, and that's thing you know I'm the corners coach up there. So I appreciate right. everything they did for us. Like you said, I think I had great coaches. I wouldn't change them for the world. Absolutely. Uh, those are some of the favorite people that I coach with, too. I mean, uh, uh, Pagano, I got to coach with him at UNC as well. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, he went through some trying things with his health. Uh, but then, you know, when he uh, – and then, of course, became the head, the head football coach uh, with the Indianapolis Colts and uh, – and then had to fight leukemia. And, uh, you know, I think that Coach Fleming has had a good year. Uh, Rhode Island, of course, you know, uh, Fleming last year offered me the job at Rhode Island. But you know, I was, I'm too far into this retirement to get to go to move to Rhode Island somewhere. But uh, I love Coach Fleming, man. He's a great, great guy. We had a lot of good times together. Same thing with Coach Pags. And, uh, uh, and of course, uh, Coach Barry has been very successful uh, I guess he became what the uh, the president of the national organization or whatever. Yeah, the president of the coaches association. So uh, you know, guys became uh, very successful throughout their careers, and uh, were a joy to be around. Um, so uh, <clears throat> through, I want to talk a little bit more about faith and uh, maybe faith through your collegiate career. You know, Coach Logan always used to say at the end of a lot of practices, uh, uh, you know, you're a fool if you don't have a spiritual life. 
uh, through your collegiate career. And then we had, uh, I guess, Chuck Young was there then, uh, who had, you know, was uh, kind of like the team chaplain and inviting people to his house for that weekly meal and so forth. And uh, so, you know, maybe just say a few things about the importance of a spiritual life through your collegiate career. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I had, you know, I didn't spend a whole lot of time in, in, in church and in a spiritual life uh, through my collegiate career. I had a strong uh, spiritual life and, uh, you know, growing up uh, when I went to college, uh, I kind of put it on timeout, which I think a lot of people do. And, uh, you know, and, and of course, uh, looking back, I wish that I had had more of a spiritual life through that time. Uh, but what, you know, what do y'all have to say about that in relationship to what advice you'd give people who play at the collegiate level and, uh, uh, maybe could benefit more in their experience from having a strong spiritual, uh, commitment throughout their collegiate experience. Well, kind of like yeah. you, I wish I, I wish I would have had a, better spiritual life while I was in college. I mean, it actually gives you peace. Right. And when you're at peace, you, you become better at everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think I had a, a decent foundation. <clears throat> I don't think that my actions always followed up with what was in my heart. So if I could go back and do it again, I would um, definitely would, would have realized that that was the one thing that I was going to take from college and everything was my spiritual foundation all the way up to this point. So I wish I would have, like I said, built up. Uh, I wish I would have represented Christ a little bit better. Um, I'm trying to do a good job, but I think I could have did a lot better, you know, and being a little bit more outspoken and and uh, as far as, because that's the one thing that, you know, the helmet, you know, you can't get back into the stadium when you want to. You, you know, not able to talk to your teammates like you used to, but the one thing that I was able to take was that spiritual foundation. I thank God for his grace of getting me through college and allowing me to be the first in my family to, to have a college degree and to be at play at the college level. So I wish I'd have represented him more. But, you know, I had a chance later on to, to push that to um, other people as well. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Junior, will you talk a little bit about your uh, coaching career? First, uh, you know, beyond uh, college, your playing career, and then your coaching career. Uh, can you give us a little bit more about that as far as your experience there? Yeah, so uh, once I left ECU, um, I had a great career. However, the NFL teams, um, they didn't call my number. You know, I remember watching that draft. Uh, watching every round, you know, they never called my name. It was kind of disappointing, but you had to move on. So I thank God for that chapter in my life. So then I had to go to the next chapter where I went to the Canadian Football League. And so I was happy for the opportunity. I went to Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, made an immediate impact, um, made the team out there. Um, that was pretty exciting. But I learned then that, hey, football, every day I saw different guys coming in and out the locker room, you know. <laughs> and so I saw, hey, man, this, I don't know if this is the way I want to live my life, you know. I like getting paid every Monday, you know, and that was different from college. You're getting a paycheck and that was pretty cool. Um, but then I said, Hey, I got to take it to another level. So once I finished my playing career, uh, came back to school, finished up my degree, got into graduate school, 
uh, before I could finish graduate school, I got a call to come go into coaching. So from there, I went to uh, Illinois State, and that was my first coaching job. It was like a restricted earnings position where I didn't have to do the, gra- the GA stuff. Um, I could just do coaching and get paid limited money. So that was a great opportunity. Uh, coached two NFL players there in Avion Kaysan, um, Willie Watts. Um, and then I had a chance to work with Edrin James's uh, brother and his cousin was one of my running backs. So that was pretty cool to work with that family. Um, but just then, just I think the thing for me was I was still kind of in player mode. So I would be trying to do the drills with the players and trying to show what I could do. I was trying to develop them. I said, hey, I did this before. Trust me, you know, that type of thing. Um uh, so that was kind of cool. And we went, went in two championships there and uh, we got the job at Army. We went to Army and um, we didn't went have it was great. The type of kids you were having an opportunity to work with. But our program, we I don't you know. I think our last year we didn't win a game. So <laughs> it was kind of humbling, you know, but then to get back to East Carolina and help rebuild a program and play in that same conference and then win two championships. Um, that was pretty cool. Uh, Emac, tell us a little bit about uh, your, uh, which which I would call an illustrious NFL career. <laughs> I mean, and uh, what you accomplished in relationship to the things that you did as a player and the time that you spent in the league uh, is is very. Uh, I, I'm not going to say it's amazing because. I always believed in you and I really believed in your work ethic because I really don't know anybody who worked harder than you uh, when you were in college. And, uh, but you really accomplished some great thing at things as a player. Uh, you know, talk about that. It was a lot of work. I will say that for any kid coming out of college, it's not easy. You got to strap your boots up and work every day. Like Junior said, you see people coming in and out of that door every day. I remember the biggest advice I got one time was somebody told me, it was like, park your car over there so you can see it. And every time you get tired, look at that car. I'm like, I got to make that car payment. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it was, it was work. But I took some of the stuff I learned through college, and I think that's that's what got me through, through the NFL. I mean, it was rough at the beginning because I got released, you know, three or four times, went to different cities. I go to sleep in one city, wake up next day, you know, I'm in another city. Yeah. So well, you know, tell us a little bit about that. I don't there's a lot of people out there I don't think are familiar with your career. So tell us about the teams you played for and uh some of the accolades that you received. I got drafted by the Panthers. Um I was there for like a year, year and a half. And I went to uh what was it, Indian Indianapolis. I went to Miami with, with uh, Coach Lewis. He brought me down to Miami. Um, and I went to uh, – left Miami. I went to New York, stayed there for three years. Ended up going to Super Bowl, NFC uh, Championship MVP. Uh, we lost the Super Bowl that year, but it was a great season. Led the, led the team in interceptions. Second on the team in pass breakups. And left there. Actually, I went to Cleveland. People don't even know this. I went to Cleveland. Coach Pagano brought me up to Cleveland. And when I left Cleveland, I came back to Carolina and went to Arizona my last year. So 
It was yeah. a long run, a lot of moving. I think I probably moved about 20, 25 times between coaching and playing. Gotcha. And then, well, it was a great, a, great career. And uh, you know, I really uh, respect what you accomplished. And, I, you. and I think that uh, I think we ought to recognize that a little bit more at East Carolina. And I'll talk a little bit about that here in a couple minutes. But uh, uh, Junior, I just wanted to ask you what Army is a really unique place. And so uh, what did you take from Army in relationship to a disciplined culture? Well, just the discipline that those guys had to have, um, you know, they had to uh, wake up every morning, get into formation and be within uh, grooming regulations and just the leadership. Um, and then they had to like the amount of hours they had to take for each class. Like they had to take like 16 hours a semester. It was like something crazy that they had to do. And uh, I remember that and that between the sports that and they had to do the military at the same time. So they, <laughs> they were responsible for a lot. Well, one of the things that we always chart is mental errors. Do you think that uh, those guys, because of their intelligence and discipline, had less mental errors in a football game? Uh, no, I think once you put the helmet on and you got to think and you're tired, I think, you know, that – uh you know, I think that um, they had a lot. They had some mental arrows too, but they were smart. They were they, they this the work ethic was really good too. Uh, Emac, I also wanted to ask you with regard to the NFL uh, a little bit about the culture of pro football, and uh, if you saw things there that you felt were problematic. Uh, what would you say about that? Did you see anything in the culture of the NFL that you thought was problematic across the board? Yeah, the biggest problem I think guys have is women. That's yeah. a huge problem. I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff. I won't call any names, but I've seen a lot of stuff and played with some people that, you know, I didn't always agree with what they were doing. They may not agree with everything I did, but I mean, women, and I think right now the the drug problem is huge in the NFL. You know, marijuana is it, it used to be a problem. Now you know you get in the program, you get tested at least once a week. They can test you up. I think it's thirteen times in a month. Yeah. So, but and I mean, the culture is just is just totally different than you know than the college culture. I mean, you think about it, you playing with some guys that's been there 15, 20 years. And I mean, it's all, it's all about who you gravitate to. Yeah. I mean, I gravitated to some of the, some of the veterans, the Eric Davises, you know, Lamar Latham. I gravitated to them guys and they kind of showed me the ropes. Right. Uh, <clears throat> through your NFL career, uh, what are who are a couple guys that you respected as leaders, good examples, hard workers, that type of thing? I mean, Eric Davis, he he taught me just about everything I know about playing that position. I mean, he took me on his wing, him and his wife, the godparents, and my kids. He took me on his wing and just taught me the rope. He was like, If I go down, you got to play. So I want you, to, I still want to win. Well, I'm in there, 
or not. So he was a big leader. Um, Strahan was a huge leader. Jesse Armstead. And when I went to New York, they took me on a Jesse. Me and Jesse still talk every once in a while now. Right. And I still talk to Eric all, you know, occasionally. He's yeah. in California, so we're on different time, time limits. But, I mean, those guys were huge in my career. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about ECU. Uh, you know, uh, I saw the schedule for next year. Uh, <laughs> I think there's one uh, – one team on there, Michigan, that's uh, Power Five. Uh, you know, we can go back, of course, through the 90s and talk about Power Five wins. And yeah, I've talked about – I was, you know, fortunate in my experience at ECU to experience 35 Power Five wins. And, you know, I, I'm very proud of that fact. Uh, but, uh, you know, my my vision for ECU when I was there in the 90s was I thought we'd at some point be in a bigger conference and, and – uh, you know, of course, I'm a little disappointed that we're not <clears throat> one of those teams uh, like Cincinnati and Central Florida and Houston, of course, uh, you know, moving uh, to kind of a bigger, better conference, I guess you could say. But it's, it's certainly going to be challenging for them. But uh, uh, looking at the schedule next year, I feel like ECU should not have a problem, you know, winning seven games minimum. Um, and... Uh, you know, you've also got a Gardner-Webb team on the schedule. and you, uh, I think well, you've got a weaker schedule overall, but anybody can beat you on any given day. We know that. Uh, so, <clears throat> again, I want to go back and recognize you guys as far as you know, what you accomplished in relationship to how many of those teams we beat during that time period. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... <clears throat> Now, how do you feel about this? Do you feel like it's uh, obviously ECU's got you know great stadium now? They're going to build an indoor facility. Uh, the facilities are are improved. Uh, they found the money for that. Um, is is it? Uh, I guess you could say as exciting or favorable to go out and hey, we're going to go win seven, eight, nine games, have a chance to win the conference every year. And uh, we don't have a lot of those brand name teams from the Power Five on the schedule. But you know, how do you guys feel about that? It's it's a good thing because it looks like, hey, we can win, we can be successful, we can celebrate, and still pe- put people in the stands, and uh, we can still raise money. I mean, how do you feel about that? Well, I think the uh, athletic director has done a great job of uh, <clears throat> leading the Pirate Club, and you know, getting some good donations and things like that so they can start this uh this new uh indoor facility i think that's going to be big uh especially when you're trying to recruit a north carolina kid and these kids are going to visit nc state and they see that big bubble over there it feels like they're in the nfl over there so i think that'll be a great addition uh with our practice facilities um like i said i haven't looked at the schedule but i do know that we play michigan next year so Hopefully, uh, I'm in a position where I can get a ticket and go to that game. That would be kind of pretty cool to go to the big house, especially the type of success Michigan is having right now. So, um, I think that'll give the kids some motivation over the offseason that, hey, we better be ready. You know, we say we are as good as we think we are, or, you know, as an individual, you better be ready for Michigan. You know what I mean? Play against some of the top recruits. Um, but other than that, I think uh, Coach Houston and his staff, you know, I think they've come in and done a great job of giving the guys a vision. Uh, I like the way Coach Houston treats his players. You know, 
I see the players that are playing with a great effort and they, and, and they got a vision and, and it's kind of a chip on their shoulder. So uh, it'll be exciting. You know, we'll be losing a quarterback and some experience there. Um, but obviously um, the staff has done a great job recruiting some really good athletes in there. Um, I was at a new uh, restaurant the other day here in Greenville called Coco's, which is a sports bar that, um, that's, that was opened up. And I had a chance to run into uh, one of my frat brothers there, the tight ends coach. And then also the running backs coach. And they were very nice guys reached out to me and said, hey, man, uh, if there's anything you need, if you you know, you know need a ticket to the game or a sideline pass or something, we got you. You know what I'm saying? Because before, you know, I would call back and I would just ask for tickets. And, and, you know, Matt Maloney would always look out for me or something. But, you know, I've never had a sideline pass since I've stopped coaching or playing. You know, I think maybe J.J. and some other guys are uh, – control but anyways going back to those coaches they reached out and said hey you deserve this or you can use utilize this come get around our players come speak to the players you know i just you know and you know you got shank there and then you got donnie kirkpatrick you know i think the future looks pretty good we just got to continue to recruit well and the fans got to continue to, to cheer hard like they're doing great environment emac i agree with that I mean that that bubble that uh out indoor facility is gonna be big for recruiting. I mean that transfer portal helping helping us out too. Yeah. We're getting a lot of kids from power five schools. But I think at some point we're gonna have to start if we want to get where we want to get, we're gonna have to start playing those power five schools. I remember back in the day we didn't care who we played. I mean whether it was Michigan, Alabama, Auburn, we didn't care. We was like, all right, we're gonna strap it up just like y'all do. We're gonna out we gonna out hit you, we're gonna we're gonna outrun you, and we will win some games. Like you said, we won what 35 games, power five games. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I've been able to experience through my you know two times I was at ECU. Wow. Uh, wow. so uh, you know that's I'm I'm proud of those and I of course you know I I enjoyed every one of those, no 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 doubt. Uh, but I mean, but, I, uh, they, I look they at they go out there and knock off at, Michigan. They'll probably have more of more of those teams on a schedule the next year for sure. So, well, I tell you what, I bet schools. We were back in the day. We were like App State is now. People don't want to play App State. That's what we need to get back to. Where people don't want to play us. They're afraid to put us on their schedule. And so far, I looking at that team now. I think they're getting close to being back there. Yeah. Yeah, I think they got a good shot to win uh, to win out this year. Uh, you know, I I look at Drake May at uh, UNC, and I look at the impact that a quarterback has now with the type of football that's being played out there. And with, personally, with me, I like to watch teams that have a defense. You know, when you look at the score of SMU seventy-seven, Houston sixty-three, are you kidding me? No I mean, so, uh, played in that game. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's all about you know, I, if you have a defense, you got a chance. Yeah. And I think that Blake Harrell's done a, a great job since he's been at East Carolina in putting a defense together and putting a week-to-week game plan together. And those guys are playing physical. I mean, they'll hit you. So yeah, it's uh, really good to speak. <clears throat> uh, you know, I think if you got a defense, you got a chance. I look going back to when Steve was coaching. You know, during camp one year. We got a monsoon every day. We ended up no fields we could practice on. 
we're over there. Uh, I don't even know what year it was. We're on some grade school field, uh, yeah. junior high field, and it yeah. still had four inches of rain on it. And so, you know, the thing about it is that hurt us going into the season because of the quality of the practices. And, uh, you know, I'll say this for Scotty Montgomery. He probably and he probably did experience that four or five times where he had to bring the team in because of uh, lightning warnings. And then you have to try to go out back out there and practice. Uh, and that's game week. And that's one of your main – if that's a Tuesday, you're in trouble. So uh, I think he had probably four or five games like that to try to prepare for, you know, that that I experienced. But uh, I think that indoor facility has been lacking uh, for many, many years, and it's going to make an impact, no doubt. So uh, I'm happy to see that. The other thing I'd like to see, and I'll just mention this, we got a, you know, a few minutes left, about eight or nine minutes. But, uh, you know, when I was at Carolina for – for 10 years, uh, what I saw up there was, uh, first of all, they take care of their own. There's no question about that. I was not one of their own, so I was lucky to be there 10 years, I guess. But uh, I would like to see ECU take care of their own maybe a little bit better. But, uh, uh, you know, what I'd love to see in that new indoor facility is I'd like to see a picture of all the guys, a big picture of guys that made it to the NFL uh, you know, made it to the Pro Bowl, made it to the Super Bowl, whatever, because, you know, we got – there were 66 guys in the history of ECU that have been drafted. And then within that 66 guys, you got some people who are very highly accomplished in the NFL, like a Rod Coleman, for instance. And uh, I'd love to see, you know, around that building – when recruits come in, they can see that they can be highly accomplished in the NFL, come to ECU. So uh, I, I don't really know why, you know, but I asked about that when I was there, you know, through my last uh, stint at ECU, I wanted to try and put some things up in the, uh, the weight room. Uh, but I guess the answer I got, well, you know, we got to make sure that we recognize all the teams. That's fine too. Uh, but uh, that's, that's kind of one of the things I, I'd love to see that I think would help recruiting. Um, you know, at UNC, they actually painted murals of guys outside around the stadium on the walls. And uh, that was very impressive in relationship to, you know, bringing recruits in there. Uh, so I'll just mention that. But uh, the other thing I want to talk to you all about, you know, before we wrap it up is, you know, your current family, your, your kids, uh, you know, what's going on? Uh, give us give us an update. Uh, uh Emac, how about your kids? I know, uh, you know, they, they've, they've been very successful in relationship to their involvement. So, uh, you know, let me hear a little bit about them. Yeah, I got uh, my son's at UNC Charlotte right now. Uh, uh -huh. He's going to school for engineering. So, it, this is freshman year. I got my 13-year-old daughter. She's here with me now. So, yeah. they're all doing well. Both of them got, I think, my son's got all A's and one B. I think she got straight A's. Swimming, you know, they're just living life and they're doing well, though. Yeah, great. Uh, tell me a little bit about, and I, I'm pretty sure this will involve your faith as well. Tell me about the accident. That accident, that accident changed my life. 
I mean, I I look at life totally different now. That state patrolman came up to us and he was like, I'm surprised y'all are still alive. I mean, everybody made it out, made it out okay. You know, I, I didn't care about the car. Yeah. You know, the How car did that happen? What were the injuries? We were on our way to the beach. And um, kid, I think it was like 17, 17-year-old kid just blew through a stop sign and T-bones. We flipped like four times. Uh, and I mean, it was when I said it was pitch black dark. I just remember when I when I got out of the car to get the kids out, there was one light and there was a church right across the street from us, and that was the only light out there. And uh, I ended up tearing whatever that muscle is that connects your hamstring to your calf. I tore that. Messed my shoulder up, my back. My son, he had a laceration on the side of his head. They were like, it was millimeters from, from you know, his temple. So we ended up having to get him back to Winston-Salem to go to Brenner's to get plastic surgery done. My daughter was fine. She was asleep. So she was fine. And uh, my wife, she was all right. But it was just basically me and him. Yeah. I don't know what clicked in me, but it was like as soon as we started flipping, I think my seatbelt was off before I even before we even stopped rolling. Yeah. And I jumped in the one that got got my daughter out and went on the other side, got my son out. And I just remember him bleeding and blood running in my hand, but I couldn't see where the blood was coming from. Yeah. Just so have my EMT came down the road and stopped, called the ambulance. I mean, we had no clue where we were. We were like an hour and 30 minutes from the beach. I went in White, Whiteville, North Carolina. Yeah. We were getting ready to go across the border to South Carolina. But that changed my life. Uh, praise God for the recovery. Yeah. Oh, he, he, that's the only reason why I know we survived. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> you and your family mean a lot to me. So I'm happy that uh, everybody's fine now. Yes, sir. Uh, Junior, I don't know much about your family, uh, <laughs> so you know, update me. So uh, I remarried. I got a super wife. We've been married now, going into uh, year nine, I believe it is now. Yeah. So she actually was a uh, UNC graduate. Uh, she works for IBM. Works from home for IBM. So definitely said a man that finds a wife finds a, a good thing, and all she do should prosper. So she's definitely been my blessing. So. Uh, I'm definitely thankful for her. Um, my kids, uh, my oldest son, he's out in Arizona. Um, he has a daughter out there, so I do have a. I'm a granddaddy now, I guess. Baba, uh, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, so he, you know, I actually had him at a young age when we were in college. You know, I was in college at uh, at ECU. So now he's out in Arizona with his own his daughter. Um, my middle son, his name is Nicholas. He's out in Louisiana. Uh, actually, just moved to Texas. He's working for Amazon. Uh, he's had his own business and done some other things. He's into the day trading and things like that, like myself. Um, yeah. And then my daughter, she finished high school with straight A's. Um, she got a scholarship to go to uh, Louisiana Monroe. Um, it's kind of cool because I coached at Louisiana Monroe, and she was born in that hospital there. She's from Shreveport, Louisiana, but she was born in Monroe. So for the opportunity to go to scholarship, academic scholarship to uh, Louisiana Monroe, that's pretty cool. She's in her freshman year at um, Louisiana Monroe. 
Carson, yeah. congratulations to you. <laughs> yeah. About to be a granddaddy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this cut this month, this month I'm uh, gonna be a granddad. Uh Bo is Bo and Lacey are expecting. Uh we know it's a girl. We had her in our reveal. And uh they're gonna name her Max, uh, which is a good Irish name. I'm one of those hardcore Irish dudes. So uh so uh you know, that's going to be very exciting and particularly exciting for my wife. She's off the chain. I mean, she's got a crib in our house and all kinds of baby clothes and diapers and everything. So, I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, Junior, I see you quite frequently out here golfing. Uh, maybe not as often as I did before, but uh, uh, I don't golf with people very much. I might sound crazy, but I like golfing by myself because I like the peace and I like to get through uh, nine holes or 18 holes very quickly. <laughs> and I actually play better because it's quiet. Because if you get out of here and play with Eddie, you, you ain't never going to get through 18 holes and it's never going to be quiet. So, uh, <coughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I just but, came back from a golf trip myself uh, maybe three weeks ago. Uh went to Vegas. Yeah. Out there with some other guys, uh, yep. a couple of my frat brothers. Um, yeah. And we went out there for five days and played uh, four different courses. And wow, yeah. unbelievable courses out there. I took a Myrtle Beach golf trip. So I try to work hard, but I try to get my recreation time in with golf. Yeah. So it keeps me competitive. And, uh, you know, I play with a bunch of guys that are pretty good. So you got you to gotta bring your A game every time. I hear you. I see you guys out there throwing money around, so that's why I don't golf with you guys. You know, I'm, I'm very happy if I'm an 85, and uh, that's it's a good day. I'm, I'm getting there now, where I'm pretty steady in the 80s. But I didn't start golfing until late in life. But uh, but I enjoy it. Uh, but I uh, I can't hold. I'm you know I'm, I'm ADD or whatever you want to call it. But nine holes. After nine holes, man, I'm, I might just blow up, you know, because I just can't concentrate anymore. But I, I really do enjoy it. And I do want to let you know that I got a gym in my garage. Oh, nice. So anytime you're out here and you want to get a little workout, and I'm happy <laughs> to take you through something, you know. Uh, you know, and I got I got pictures on the wall, all you guys. And it, it comes it comes to a thought. Now, I need, <clears throat> I need a little bigger picture of you, Junior. That one I got to use too small. So. Oh, okay. I'll get something for you. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I need something uh but I want to thank you guys for uh, coming on the podcast today. Uh, can't tell you how much respect I have for you and how much I enjoyed coaching you. Uh, those are the times that I remember because, you know, when you're in coaching, everybody knows this. You, you got some miserable times and you got some great times. And, you know, when you win, those are great times. And when you lose, those are, uh, <clears throat> those are the challenging times. And, uh, you know, it's a crazy profession, no matter how you look at it. So uh, I really enjoyed my time with you. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and sign off on this one now. And uh, hopefully I'll see both of you guys sometime in the near future. And so this is Jeff Connors uh, signing off for Absolute Empowerment. And uh, I want to leave you with sin is short-term gain and long-term loss. And righteousness is short-term sacrifice and long-term gain. Uh, so Jeff Connor signing off. God bless and see us next week. See you next week. Thanks a lot. Coach. Thank you.
You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates!